apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage, and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L, call for additional details. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing wave. Feet a step and late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bring in crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to throwing jabs Saturday morning fight day. Big Jace, Joe Guire, Jared Jones here to break it all down. Got a big heavyweight fight at UFC Columbus. And we are continuing our Who You Got tournament. So first, we got a recap. UFC London last week. We didn't get to talk about it because uh, Jared and I were sick, so we called off the show. So uh, Tom Aspinall. Submits Alexander Volkov in the first round. Joe, can Aspinall, does Aspinall have title? Uh, can he get to the, the that title shot against Nganu? Uh, you know, listen, that was an impressive victory over Alexander Volkov, but, uh, you know, Curtis Blades uh, took this guy down 14 times in a, in a match once, so... You know, Volkov, it, it, this was one of those fights where – because I, sometimes I think Volkov looks like he could be the number one contender, and most of the time he seems like he should be just barely in the top ten and serving as a gatekeeper. So, again, I like Aspinall. I, I, I like everything about the way he fights. He seems like he's got a pretty good chin. I don't 
I don't, is he ready for gone or Lewis? I don't know. You know, I mean, I guess somebody has to, maybe he's the most logical choice since we're not quite sure what's up with John Jones. Um, I, I, I haven't heard or seen anything from Ciro gone since he lost to Nganu. I don't, I don't even know what's going on there. And Ganu doesn't want to fight. Uh, so I guess Derek Lewis becomes the de facto default. That would be your next guy. So who's fighting right now? Who's who's well, taking what, the fight? Hold on. Ngannou, it isn't Ngannou doesn't want to fight. He's getting his knees reconstructed. I didn't say he doesn't want to fight. I said yes, he's he not going to fight. I don't. Well, okay. he doesn't want to because he can't because his leg is hurt is what I mean to say. Okay. Uh-huh. But it seems like none of them has anything lined up. Where's Stipe? No. You know with Stipe, like, what is going on with the heavyweight? He's fires. You, you're right. And I think with a guy like Aspinall, I think with that, if you can just stay active, I think you can become a, a, a contender real, real quick in this heavyweight division with it. it everything being so stale and people taking forever, like Stipe's fighting fires, John Jones, that's a a, a wet dream at this point. And, I mean, everything else is all over the place. But, Jared, what did you think of this performance by Aspinall? Wait, time out. You, you, Stipe will be in a ring before Nganu. Stipe will be in a ring before Ciro Gan is again. And Stipe will be in a ring probably before... Aspinall, so don't don't worry about that. Who's he fighting? Well, I almost said John Jones, but I think John Jones is going to be the guy in the ring with him that night. I to me, that's the what other fight is there? You got to make a fight for John Jones at heavyweight, or it's time yeah. to hit the ultra slim and get back to light heavyweight where things are heating up. Can you know, we right do now, neither? What That's a, always an option. What are the odds on John either? Retired at this point, in my mind. I like, want Cyril Gone to just smash John Jones so we can stop having the conversation. That's that's my dream. I don't know. I feel like that one's a little wet. I feel like that's a little yeah, wet yeah. Wet. No, but, Probably not. But Probably what? Not. I mean, listen. I just want to see a heavyweight that's not Alexander Volkov like headlining an event. How about that? Yeah. There you go. Well, and Aspinall, he's one of the other heavyweights. No disrespect, as disrespectful as it sounds, he's kind of another one of the heavyweights to me. You know, where does he go from here? Eh, wherever. All those other guys we're talking about are the top of the heavyweight division, and he's one of those other heavyweights, Derek Lewis, Curtis Blades. Dude, you know what he needs? You know what this guy seriously needs? And I and I think maybe he's retired now, but how about um, Aspinall gets a shot at knocking out Alistair Overeem? Are you guys picking John Jones over Cyril Gaon? Tell, please tell me Sanders out of his nest right now. John, what is John Jones is retired. Like let's not these delusions of like John Jones is not retired. Cyril Gaon would have hurt John Jones. Add a new weight, so much bigger, and and get and just clean house. That's not going to happen. Cyril Gaon would smash John Jones. That's not a close fight. That's why I wanted it to happen because I'm not a fan of the John Jones talks keep popping up on stuff he did a decade ago. Credentials that just aren't even really. You know, his brother plays football. 
I know, I, but where is he? Who 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 do you fight? I don't I don't really remember this guy as as you know. Mike, I have two sons since the last time this guy fought. There are two more human beings in my house since the last time he fought. Let's stop it. Like heavyweight title fight? No, vacant title fight? No. Cyril Gons bounce back? Yeah. There you go. Now we're talking. Aspinall. Jared. 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 Jared, seriously. If John Jones comes back to face Cyril Gon or Francis Ngannou, he doesn't get out of the first round. No, I know. That's why I'm saying that's what we ought to do because this is – can we put the circus to rest? Well, so – but no, this is important because, listen, if if John Jones is ever going to seriously be a heavyweight, First of all, we all have to believe he can compete at heavyweight. Some of us do, some of us don't. That's fine. He also hasn't been in a ring in like three, an octagon in like three years. Yeah. That's not a good, neither of those two guys is a good welcome back to the UFC option for him. And I think more he's legitimate a- fighter right now. John Jones or Jake Paul? Jake Paul. Jake Paul. Yeah. Paul. What are we talking about? End the circus. That's why I say Goner and Ganu. Get him out of there. End the circus. Jake Paul, that's what he's doing on purpose. Jake Paul ends up in the ring with Bud Crawford, Canelo, Baturbia. We know exa- everybody knows exactly what's going to happen. So fine. Have the circus. The problem with this circus is people don't know. People like Sander don't know what would happen if Cyril Gan ended up in the ring with, with, with John Jones. So do it. Put put an end to the circus. Let John Jones fight any of this heavyweights. I think Derek Lewis beats him. I think Curtis Blades beats him. I think these Volkovs and Aspinalls are probably where he should start if he's going to try it. But no, he's 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 uh, um, Adesanya, three years out of fighting and coming back to fight that bigger guy. It's not going to work. It doesn't work. I haven't seen it work too many times unless the guy was. When you talk about guys doing that and working, it is an upper echelon, phenomenal, don't have the past that John Jones has. It's it's not it. I know we're talking about Tom Aspinall, but I'm going to make this about John Jones for one more minute. I do think John, I do think John Jones could uh, beat Derek Lewis. I do. I and, I and I think that could be a decent enough fight. I but here's the thing like right if John Jones is ever going to fight in heavyweight, he's got to fight in Aspinall. He's got to fight Stipe. He's got to fight somebody first. He can't walk into the into the octagon after 3 years of inactivity and think he's going to beat one of the top 2 guys in the world. And that's not fair either and to all, the Aspinalls of the yes. world. Well, dude, it's the same thing down in the lower ranks where Henry Cejudo's running his mouth about coming out of retirement to fight in a higher division. You're you're retired and you're not even you weren't even in that. What are you talking about? Like you got to work your way into that. I don't care who Be you relevant are. first. Conor McGregor now. No, wait, wait. If, if 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 this was three years ago when John Jones was coming off beating who, Daniel Cormier, Derek Ray, or whoever whoever it was the last time he fought. <laughs> And then he was like, I want to move up. Well, yeah, you'd be like, yeah, line him right up. Go right. But you haven't fought in three years. Listen, he might, he might struggle if he came back as a light heavyweight to get a title shot next. Hey, let alone now. In another division. Uh, so will... here's the thing, and this is what has been killing me about John Jones. 
He wanted to fight Stipe, then he didn't, then he did. I heard again he does. You got to fight somebody like that. You, yeah. If you think you're – if it listen, if he were to ask Dana and Dana to be like, oh, Gideon Ghanu as soon as he's healthy, I'm sure that could happen. It would be a terrible idea for John Jones for a million reasons. He's He's got to get back in the octagon and fight if he ever thinks he could face either one of those two guys. Yeah, you, you, you're right. He, he does. but And I think I, – I, I've been saying this for a while. I think Stipe is going to be that first step in the title shot. But the thing is, is with John Jones, Dan Hooker is almost good again. Oh, jeez. But uh, w- w- one more thing on John Jones. The only thing I can say maybe with it, him coming back is he's come back from long layoffs before and he's looked good. I mean, talk about the D.C., Got that knockout off of how but long he also, be- so he also had like, to put on like 40 pounds. You're right. Now the putting on that, that's the real issue for me. Regardless, it, it, I, I don't even know. I don't even think it's going to happen. Like I, I can't, I can't even see it happening at this point. It, it's just all just fantasy. It's like me talking about Usman versus Khabib. It's not going to happen. The, the Conor McGregor coming out now and talking about fighting Usman, that has more relevancy than John Jones going to heavyweight at this point. To be honest, Conor McGregor's been at least a little bit active. He, he lost twice to Poirier. It, it doesn't make sense for it to happen, but it has more relevance than John Jones right now. I would what much else? rather watch John Jones in a competitive fight with a heavyweight than watch, I don't know. I'm not interested. I, Conor McGregor so fighting so does nothing for me other than I I'd love to see uh I'd love to see uh Usman absolutely blast that uh, that McGregor. Um speaking of this undercard, yeah, Dan Hooker, it, I think it's I used to love Dan Hooker, man. When he first showed up, I loved that guy. He's got to hang him up. He's um he's finished. Yeah. Dan Hooker's done as a fighter. It's a, it's it makes it makes my heart hurt. And I'll tell you what, I think Alexander Volkov is at the end of his his run as well. I mean, that was uh I do have to say I like Aspinall. Alexander Volkov looked pathetic in that fight. Yeah, you can't be sure who it was is the problem. That's- you can't be sure whose fault what happened was. Is, is Aspinall that great or Volkanovsky has fallen off that far? It's hard to tell yeah. from here. Yeah, I, I would say before this fight, uh, Volkov, like, gatekeeper for top five. If you beat Volkov, you can get in the top five. Now, top ten, maybe. Yeah, you beat him He's now, fighting. you're going to – I don't know about Aspinall necessarily, but I think anybody going forward, Volkov's a fight to a fight before a real fight. Yeah. I think he's now like a, a, a he's a you beat him then you can get somebody in the top seven top five he's not he's not an automatic you beat him and you're in the title picture anymore because I do think he's fallen off enough that any win over Volkov just to me isn't as impressive as it would have been two or three years ago. He's the parking lot attendant that shows you where to put your car <laughs> before you get to the gate. <laughs> and the gatekeeper. Oh, <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> yes. I. Enough talking about a parking lot. Let's get into our tournament. Who you got? We're still doing the box. Starting off with the box <laughs> side. 
We talked about it before in the play-in. Canelo Alvarez taking on Sugar Ray Robinson. Joe, you, you missed the play-in. Canelo beat Alexander Usyk. Can he beat Sugar Ray Robinson? Talking about all-time pound for pound. Great. You really? Yeah. What, was it was it because Alexander Usyk serving his country in Ukraine and passed on the no. opportunity? No, no, I picked. Just, uh, I'll pick Alvarez too. Yeah. If they get in a ring right now, Usyk beats him. But pound for pound credentials, we're talking about a tournament. You've got to look at the body of work. They both retire right now. Ten years from now, you're taking Canelo as the as having had the better overall career body of work. So as much as I love Yusik, you know Yusik Paterbiev were my heavyweight, light heavyweight champion years ago. Uh, I had to take Canelo. That said, he doesn't he doesn't stand a shot here. I hope none of you guys are taking Canelo here because uh, this is a one versus sixteen type of game here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Canelo's resume: uh, Kovalev lost to Mayweather, uh, Triple G. Um, am I missing any really, really big names? No, not really. I mean, Sugar Ray Robinson, Jake LaMotta, uh, Henry Armstrong, Carmen Basillo, Gene Fulmer, like top, top guys during the time. And I mean, 108 KOs for Sugar Ray Robinson's career. Just a monster. Uh, I mean, Canelo. <laughs> Sugar Ray Robinson was 85 at one at one point with wins over Hall of Famers, who would also. <laughs> Alvarez. Thank you for that, Tony. That's that sums it all up for me. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like it's like when Mayweather fought McGregor. And I said, here's the list of. The last 20 guys Mayweather's fought, what's McGregor's record? And posed that as a question. Maybe he wins two or three of those fights was the common answer. Nobody said more than five. Like, yeah, a lot of the guys Robinson beat, you put them up against Canelo on this list. I'm taking them too. Yeah. Yeah. But even if Canelo goes and beats a a Baturbiev, Still not, not, still not the resume that Sugar Ray Robinson had. So for the same reason we didn't take Usyk here, because the resume for Paterbiev, as good as he is, it doesn't look like the win you want right now, as much as it should. Yeah. So number one seed, moving on to the Sweet Sixteen, and Sugar Ray Robinson. Now let's move on to the next one. See who they'll face off against. Number eight seed, Sugar Ray Leonard. Number nine, Rocky Marciano. Jared, where are you going here? I like the competition. I have to say that the degree of difficulty is the only reason I'm taking Leonard here. I'm taking Sugar Ray Leonard, and it's based on degree of difficulty in his career. Marciano had a phenomenal career, only undefeated heavyweight. I get it. Uh, man, I'm I'm just having trouble. When you look at what uh, Duran and Leonard, uh, those four guys, Hagler and Hearns, what they did at middleweight for the sport of boxing during that time, 
and to have Sugar Ray be the only one who got W's against all those other guys. He's that that little section, that pocket of time for boxing, I believe. One of the greatest. It's a it's a when we were kings moment. It's an Ali Frazier. It's a Ali Foreman rumble in the jungle type of one of those moments in boxing where you had this little patch that you just had to set aside from everything else. And whether Sugar Ray Leonard was the best of that bunch or not, he's the one that got the W's. And uh, I like the competition better than what Marciano faced. So for the A9, I'm taking Leonard. Uh, there's already one Sugar Ray in this tournament. If we're talking about pound for pound, I think one of the things people forget about is Rocky Marciano was not a big heavyweight. 80-something pounds for most of his career. Yeah. yeah. So I think when you consider oh. that, I think, <laughs> and how about this? I think when you consider his 87.8% knockout ratio, also the best of all at time. It's at 180, dude. He would, I and I love Sugar Ray Leonard was my first favorite boxer of my life as a kid. I think Rocky Marciano would beat him pillar to post. I really do. If they're the same size? Yeah. See, and that's why I got pound for pound. I mean, this is going to be maybe the fastest guy in the tournament. Twitch reflex. I'll take Sugar Ray over Floyd. And he is the fastest guy in this tournament. So pound for pound, they got to be the same size. He's going to be hard to beat here. Oh, man, I love that point, Joe. The weight yeah. though, that that Rocky and Marciano has right. a smaller heavyweight. I'm looking for competition in this. And, this, and this, consider- this guy fought Joe Lewis was 30 pounds bigger. He was 30 years older, too, but he was 30 pounds bigger when they fought. And also, like a lot of these guys are up over 200 pounds and he's fighting at 180, even under 180 at some points in his career. So I think he also might have had the greatest chin in the history of the sport. Again, as a 180 pound heavyweight, I mean, he was was not a tentative fighter. But there are more impressive resumes, Joe. Yeah. Oh, sure. There's more impressive resumes. But I'm telling you, I to me. Pound for pound, him and Sugar Ray. All right, definitely tough that they're in the same. Yeah, tough that they open the bracket against each other. Nine, but uh, oh, so so I gotta be the tiebreaker here, huh? Uh, interesting. Hold on, Tony. You know Tony's a big fan. Marciano beat uh, Ezra Charles and Jersey Joe Wolcott are all-time great boxers, and Archie Moore holds the record for most knockouts in any division with 141. He also averaged 85 punches per round, which is what featherweights yeah. average nowadays. This this guy was a beast and and on another level and is one of the few guys, I think, all time whose skills he could have fought in the 20s, and I mean the 1920s or in the 2020s. I still think Rocky Marciano would compete with anybody on on any day. And I don't and I don't I don't get hung up on the undefeated. I honestly don't. But, no, no, no. I, I, he's that good. Yeah, I think. Well, again, I think people forget that because they're so consumed with the undefeated record. But yeah. again, it, it it wasn't like he was keeping that record safe. He was going out there and <clears throat> anybody can get his hands on. You couldn't back then. You can It was before the Floyd Mayweather. Or you can't keep a record safe. But uh, I, I, I'm gonna go Sugar Ray Leonard though. I, I respect. I mean, it's an eight-nine matchup. I'm gonna go Sugar Ray Leonard. Just five, uh, seven championships across five weight classes. We're talking pound for pound. 
yeah, I get it. Marciano was small for, for heavyweight, but I mean, talking pound for pound. Go, yes, going that's what weight would weight. include. Yes, pound I know. for pound. You just made my point. Thanks. But however you want, but you just you literally just made my point in voting for the other guy. Okay, but it's it's all right. Move on. You can have that what if with Rocky Marciano. Okay, what if he actually fought guys at his weight? Rather he fought guys who were bigger than him. Okay. All the time, and he beat the crap out of them. But as a footer. 20, 30 pounds heavier than you but, but as far as pure boxing skill, you're talking about one of the greatest technicians of all time on a pound-for-pound pound list. Like he said, that, that power translates in heavyweight. You shrink Rocky down to 140 and have him fight Sugar Ray? He's got I, trouble I landing knock, punches. That that they would knock Sugar Ray's head off. That this is a tough one. This is the toughest one, probably. Yeah, There's yeah. one more that's really, really rough here. But uh, this this for me is probably yeah. the toughest one. And Leonard points, barely Joe. beat Hagler. Give me a break. Uh, arguable, <laughs> very arguable. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Like I said, we could argue whether he's the best of those four. But how you know having that. Those fours, I they they just all have to be there, and that and this that's the one that was the golden one. This is tough. This one's tough. Well, so we have a battle of the Sugar Rays in round two. We'll get to that uh, some other time. But let's finish off round one. Oh, Tony's five. not giving up. Sugar Ray also has a draw, but Hearns he admits it should have been a win for Tommy. Just saying. It's 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 so hard. Eight nine, like <laughs> you're talking about the greatest of the greatest. Also, wait, why does why does awesome. why does Rocky have to go to 149? You think if Sugar Ray went up to 180, that he would have any of the hand speed? <laughs> I was wondering if we were going to get there. Of course, we're going to get there. I'm still pissed about this. Yeah, man. I no, no, I agree. I just think, as far as a technically skilled boxer. And I'm not trying to ride Rocky. I think this is one of the greatest fighters of all time. Hands down, he belongs on this list. But as far as pure boxing technique, he lacked a little bit. And as far as just the era of heavyweight boxers, it lacked just a touch. So, yeah, you're talking about one of the if, – if now if we made these arguments with 100 boxing aficionados, they would say that one of these guys – was during one of the weakest times for his division. And the other one of these guys rose during one of the toughest times for his division. Sugar Ray Leonard, this is maybe, this is arguably the toughest the middleweight division ever was with Hagler, Hearns, Duran, and Leonard. And arguably, I don't want to see as weak as the heavyweight division after, after the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years we've had here. But at the time, it was arguably the weakest the heavyweight division had been. So you're comparing the best of a weaker time to the best of perhaps the strongest time. I just have to give Leonard the edge. It's tough, Joe. Yeah, my bad, Tony. I knew we were going to end up here, but I got I to gotta give Sugar Ray the edge. Yeah, I Chase, mean, do you want to say anything else to make my point for me as you vote against me? Anything? What? <laughs> He wasn't I mean, a jogger. I heard he wasn't a jogger. I mean, my piece, it's, you can't wait. I mean, regardless, all these guys are great. They're, they're 
pound for pound grades. That's why they're in this tournament. It's going to be rough. We have some harder matchups coming up. They're going to be tough. These so are all going to be tough, of course. They all are. And let's uh, let's move on to the next one. Let's see if we can eliminate any other undefeated fighters from our list. <laughs> Roberto, we will. Oh, we will. Roberto Duran versus Joe Frazier. Joe, who you got? That's a tough one, boy. I love Joe Frazier so much, but I mean, as far as as far as skills went, you know what I mean. I, I feel like he was a, a bit of a one dimensional fighter. You know, I mean, at, at least compared to somebody like Roberto Duran, I, I, I'm I'm going to pick Duran. I I don't think that there was a a bigger menace uh, at his size with his power. I like this guy a lot. I'm taking Roberto Duran. If there is no Muhammad Ali, we're talking about one of those four guys from the from the uh, middleweight division and the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time, potentially. Upset City. I'm taking Frazier here. This is the knockdown drag out. This is the... The number two, the second fight on this list that I'd really like to see monsters going at it. Um, and I'm taking Frazier. I'm taking the heavyweight. Again, tough division. You remove Muhammad Ali. I think most people want to make the argument that Frazier's the greatest heavyweight of all time. Yeah, but I think then you put yourself in the position of if you don't have Ali, that's a much less competitive heavyweight. Now you have your Rocky argument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, right? Because now you're literally taking out maybe the greatest of all time. It's not like you're just taking out a heavyweight champion who was, but you're talking about one of the greatest ever. That but if you're taking, but you're not in the division, but, but they're two different fights. You're not taking, um, you're not taking, uh, who are we talking about right now? Rocky. Um, you're not taking Duran over Leonard. Uh, Leonard know. beat Duran. No boss. Like, you're not taking Duran over Leonard, so that's where I think the disparity is and not so much in the heavyweights. I'm taking Frazier. Duran was better still. I'm going Duran as well. Lightweight, welterweight, and middleweight, dude. I I think, yeah, yeah, if you take Joe Joe Frazier, it does look a lot more favorable if you take Ali, but we're talking about. The, the number two seed as far as boxing goes in this tournament in, in Muhammad Ali. Like, I mean, what was talking about? Like, Tony. <laughs> we're he's having, he's having a blast with me today, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, yeah. The, 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 Joe Frazier. I wasn't thinking about that either, to be honest, Jared. Oh, no, I knew it when I said it. He, that's why I added the no moss. I'm like, he beat Duran. The no moss, you know. He'd had, a, he'd had enough of whooping his ass in the Which first is more fight. than just a regular win. <laughs> and then didn't fight him the third time. Oh, by the way, I kind of felt like Leonard took bigger money. And kind of ducked Duran. Duran believed that one-to-one means there'll be a third. When he ducked out of that second fight, it was because in his heart he believed, all right, you got me this one. I got you last time. We'll do it again. And it just didn't. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm going Durant. I, I love what you said, Jared. But Joe Frazier, uh, 
boxing's heavyweight Scotty Pippen. I mean, yeah. Oh. Things look great when you don't have the boxing. greatest When you got the greatest there, things look great if he won't be there. Yeah, maybe. That's oh. a big, big maybe, though. If he's not there, is Joe Frazier really got the same? Could Art Garfunkel have made it on his own? The world may never know. <laughs> all right, all right. Going from one Joe to another Joe. I'm gonna start with you with this one, Joe. Joe to Joe to Joe. Ooh, Joe boy, Lewis boy. against Jake Lamada. I'll I'll tell you. I'm I I always whenever I talk about Joe Lewis, I think it's important to bring up the fact that what he was doing and while he was doing it had ramifications the world over to to do what he did to to max schmeling in front of hitler and the world like you don't you don't you don't step up any bigger in a fight than when you're fighting for you know the freedom of the world so, I love Jake LaMotta, uh, another one of my all-time favorites, but uh, I just think when you got the heart of, of a guy like Joe Lewis and clearly the balls that that guy has to do what he did, where he did it, when he did it, I can't, I can't possibly vote against Joe Lewis. Oh, me neither. I think there's a couple of these guys now as great as that story is, he was every bit the fighter. Um, and I think there's some guys who their names keep coming up and coming up and it's stories. It's more the stories than the actual ring footage. Are you really watching these guys fights or you heard the stories? I think LaMotta, no disrespect, beastly in the ring, but Lewis is winning this fight hands down. It's, it, I mean, we attach ourselves to LaMotta for the story. As much as, you know, the Raging Bull is is why we're here. We're going to get that in the next one, too. And, and I have a feeling some people are going to be unhappy with me. But Joe Lewis wins this one, hands down. You know, it's funny, real quick, because we're talking about pound for pound, right? We're not talking about who's the guy we like the best, who's the guy that we think would win a fight, a real fight between these guys. Like, legit, if you threw him in a ring, right? We're not even talking pound for pound. Like, I think that guy would beat that guy's ass. And this is one of my, my complaints with Jace all the time when we do these sorts of things is there's never any, like, there's never any parameters. And this has parameters to it, Jace. This is a very well done tournament style. I love this. Again, we're talking pound for pound. I love that. I think there's parameters to this. And so, again, at the end of the day, I love Jake LaMotta. But, yeah, dude, all day, Joe Lewis. Yeah, and I mean, to piggyback on what well, you're talking about, like with Hitler and that stuff, I mean, also with like racism the way it was back then. I mean, Jim Crow laws, all that stuff, for him to be as dominant as he was and be, be this, uh, just a monster that he was. I, I think, yeah, you got to go Joe Lewis here. Pretty easy. I mean, yeah, I, I love Raging Bull, that's a good movie, but, uh, Sorry that the buck stops here for Jake Lamada. But, uh, all right, moving on. Bam, Willie Pep, Bernard Hopkins, Jared. Who you got? You know, then you also end up where you're like, am I really going to vote against, like, an all-time great legend? Yeah, well, here it is. I think Willie Pep, it's the stories. 
most of his fights aren't on record. Like, like this, here it is again. It's the stories that you've heard. And he won a round without throwing a punch. I didn't see it, but I've heard it about a hundred times. Um, I also know he fought way out of his weight class. So the best argument for Pep here is the same one we had for Marciano, that he wasn't the size he was fighting at. He was fighting substantially bigger guys most of the time. Um, that said, B-Hop didn't have a great story. Um, he just kept adapting and adjusting and staying at the top of the game forever. Um, if I was 150 years old, I might take Willie Pep here. If I'd ever seen him in the ring, live time, I might take Willie Pep here. Uh, he is one of the fastest and greatest defensive fighters of all time. I feel comfortable saying that just having talked to people who watched him fight. But for me to say he beats B-Hop in pound for pound, I'm taking stuff I don't know for sure and ranking ahead of stuff that I do know for sure. I think B-Hop was one of the greatest find a ways to win guys in the history of boxing and he finds a way to upset Willie Pep, who, if you look person for person through his record, not as impressive as you want it to be. Great story. I'm taking the upset here. I'm taking uh, the, the the sure money, the thing I know about, and uh, B-Hop over Pep. I'm not happy about it because I like the story and the person and all the Pep better, except for when you put him in the ring. B-Hop had a way of finding a way to win. Let's not forget he was also light heavyweight champion for a year plus. So, um, yeah, uh, Tony, you're not going to like this. I'm going to go B-Hop uh, as well because of the fact that he won titles in two different weight classes, and I think that's a big part of what this is. Uh, Pep all day. Hopkins was an all-time great as well, but against Jermaine Taylor, Roy Jones, and Joe Calzaki, he would do just enough to not lose badly. Pep was 230-11 with nine of the 11 coming after he was 35, had served a World War II and broke his back in a plane crash. And I'm going to hold all those things against him. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 230-2 after his first 232. This is this was the Loma of... Uh, the Loma in amateur was Pep in professional for the whole beginning of his career. I see, I I see it, I get it. I just I'm not sure. My you know other what I'm problem. I'm not sure my, what was can there. I tell you my other Willie Pep problem? Because I've seen a lot of footage of him that Mike's my brother loves Willie Pep, and I totally get it. The it it seems in a lot of the fights, Jared, the guys he were fighting were not anywhere near as skilled and didn't understand fighting or boxing as well as he did. His Look speed at, and his – I mean, right, a, a lot of the times he would punch people from behind them because he would I know, get so out of <laughs> I know a lot of the fights aren't there, but look, just type in your computer Willie Pep on BoxRec and look at the numbers of the rankings of the opposition. They're just They're just not really that good. When compared to anybody else on this list, you're going to find big numbers. I said Marciano's competition. You type in Marciano and look at Ezra Charles' numbers. You're going to find out he fought some bangers. You do that wow. with Willie Pep, and it's some, you know, there's, there's, it's a lot of numbers that aren't there. 
and numbers that don't look very good. Let me throw some box wreck at you. They've got Willie Pep number 31 all time on the pound for pound list. B Hop is seven. And that's based on ELO. They're like an algorithm, real yeah. numbers. And the re- one of the reasons for that, again, a lot of his fights aren't on record. They don't they, have they- records of a lot of the Willie Pep stuff happened before we had a chance to do that. But like uh, I said, I got to take the known commodity here. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> you don't know who Willie Pep is? <laughs> Wait, no, the next question That's is better. Right. Is Sonny listed on this tournament? No, we went with great fighters like Willie Pep. <laughs> no, listen, listen, listen. As I was compiling my, my research, but I love that you brought up box rack because <laughs> That that I didn't have Willie Pep on the on the list before, and then I I, I went and I went to a bunch of other sources, looked at a bunch of other stuff, did my research, and everyone else. So I I I think it is the legend that that carries this guy carries him to where he is. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with someone I've seen actually fight in in Bernard Hopkins. So I, I get it, like it's legend. I get, it, but I mean. We're in 2022, and uh, so, yeah. It's just too hard to do that. Sander, the guy was born in Middletown, (laughs) Connecticut. He's the greatest fighter ever to come out of Connecticut. Willie Pep, no? I'm starring in a – I'm I'm an extra in a movie called Pep that just got got filmed. filmed in Connecticut. In Connecticut. from. All right, let's get back to it. And the worst part of that is that we were filming in like December in Hartford, but we were pretending we were in Miami in June. (laughs) Miserably cold. (laughs) All right, everybody, it's June, it's Miami. It's like awesome. Hide the coats. All right, okay. Um, Suffer with that. But now we got we got our Cinderella of the tournament already, Bernard Hopkins. So let's keep it going. Can we get another one? George Foreman, Jack Johnson, Jared, who you got? I had said that Frazier Duran was the number two fight. I most wanted to see if these guys could somehow be in their prime and at the same weight class. And this is number one. Woo! Can you imagine Jack Johnson and George Foreman in their prime? They're looking almost like the same guy. Just, just beastly. Um, and here I have a problem because I'm going to completely contradict my last argument and take the unknown commodity, Jack Johnson. Um, this, the, the, again, the stage this guy did what he did on. Um, I. I can't take this one from Johnson. I, I I just can't take this one from Jack Johnson. In 1910, he fought James Jeffries. In 1910, it was called the fight of the century. Ten years in, that's how good he was. That's how influential he was. They were like, we don't even need to wait 90 years to see the best fight this century. It just happened. And yes, you know, again, I think when you look at the fact that You know, we lived in Jim Crow laws at the time, and this was a black dude, a big black dude, scary guy for American society. And for the most part, America embraced this guy pretty well. I mean, they certainly faced racism, but to become the first 
black American heavyweight champion, uh, again, sort of like with with Joe Lewis, you're talking about a guy who paved the way for Lewis, right? I mean, not only did he have to actually fight the dudes in the ring with him, but he also had to fight everybody outside the ring, you know, and, and perceptions and racism and all that. So I don't know. I feel like this is one of those guys. Uh, I, I, I would take him in most places. I, I do love George Foreman. I love yeah. young George Foreman. I loved old George Foreman. I have a George Foreman grill. I'm all in on George Foreman, but yeah, I, I got to go Jack Johnson here. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the cultural significance of both these fighters have been George Foreman with the Rumble and the Junk, but it, it just doesn't match up to what Jack Johnson did. And uh, I, yeah, I, I like George Foreman too, but I mean, this is just, it, it is great. Uh, it just sucks that he, George Foreman has to go up against someone as good as Jack Johnson in round one. BT Dubs, you know uh, Jack Johnson was arrested on some trumped-up BS. And you also know I don't like Donald Trump. Uh, but I do got to throw kudos to the man because in 2018, I don't know you guys know this, but he actually formally pardoned Jack Johnson to take that off of his record, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, cool. Especially since Trump was such a racist. Yeah. All right. <laughs> It was a nice thing to do for a black fella who had been dead for, you know, like 60 years. Yeah. But, uh, right. keeping it going. Jack Dempsey, Julio, Cesar, Chavez, Joe, who you got? Ah, boy. I, you know, I... Again, as a youngster, I was fascinated by the story of Julio, Julio Cesar Chavez. You know, uh, Jack Dempsey, I, I've always felt like is the is sort of the Babe Ruth of boxing. I mean, I think like that's the guy that put it on the map. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, this is tough. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Julio Julio Cesar Chavez. I think, I, I uh, you know, small guy, fist of fury, speed, endurance. I'm I'm going. Yeah, I'm going JCC. All right, Jared, you agree? Yes. Yes, and this one's tough, but uh. Uh, okay, here you go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine fights. Uh, five wins, one loss, and three draws. I think we all know what happened in Julio Cesar Chavez's first nine fights. So let's take him. <laughs> yeah. Jack yeah. Dempsey, three. Oh, here's another draw five fights later. Like it just it took him a while to get going. The beginning and end of his career were kind of um and that's not true of Chavez. Yeah. He had long runs of greatness that you're not gonna find in Dempsey's career. And it, I'm yeah, I'm taking Chavez. Yeah, that's I was a close play. I was what? listening to a podcast with Mike Tyson. He's like, the fifty and oh, that doesn't mean anything. Julio Cesar Chavez was eighty seven to no before yeah. he lost. 
So, yeah, I mean, Julio's... Also, his first fight was in 1980. His last fight was in 2005. I mean, that's a that's a lot of that's that's a lot of dudes in a long career that when you look at the numbers, it wasn't quite long enough. I mean, for someone to, to do as much as he did for as long as he did is all you know, he was 90 he had fought he had fought 99 times in his career when he faced Oscar De La Hoya. You imagine that? That's insane. Yeah. All time uh, great. Yeah, I mean we, we got a clean sweep here for an upset. I got Julio Cesar Chavez as well. But uh all right. So two we got Bernard Hopkins and Julio Cesar Chavez. Two Cinderella's going. Can we get a third a third with Floyd Mayweather Jr. against Muhammad Ali. You're, hmm. you're look at him. Look, he couldn't even keep a straight face. <laughs> no, Jace, we're not. <laughs> no, no, no. Joe, you look like you're thinking about it. Is that to be funny? I am trying to be funny. I'm trying to. I'm trying to lure Sander <laughs> in for a minute. I was going to try to say some nice things. Just to kind of make people think. Uh, listen, there's one thing Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather is, in fact, the goat at. It's pay-per-views. He is the greatest pay-per-view champion of all time. Unfortunately, we're not doing that list ever. We're doing actual fighters who can <laughs> fight people. And yes, uh, it ain't even close. <laughs> <laughs> set him up. We uh... set... Hey, we set him up like he sets up his fights. Hey! <laughs> Real picking okay. fuse situation over here. Yeah. Cherry picked Muhammad Ali for him. <laughs> if this were a business tournament on, like, the business side of boxing, <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, number one, easy, easy win. But, uh, yeah, it, it's not. Muhammad Ali... Easy. I mean, you, you you broke the 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 Marciano record, right? With an there is MMA no Marciano fighter. record. That's not a thing. No, I I know, but like that you you want to hold on to that O and that fifty one and O. You beat an MMA fighter for it. Let's sorry. be real yeah. here. You know what? And I'm sorry, Donna, thank you. Floyd Mayweather has beaten more WBC silver franchise champions than anybody in history. Whatever mm. the hell that is. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's also beaten the most Floyd Mayweather opponents in, in I like I like tracking the change in Floyd. He he fought Diego Corrales. You know, there was a time he was fighting the best guys in that weight class when he was younger. You know, and it's funny to me because everybody they say is the next Floyd, the Tank Davises or the whoever it is. Look at Floyd's age and who he was fighting when he was their age. And it's all the greatest guys in that division. And they hit that age and they're still just fighting bums. It's like, okay, you want that recognition, but you want to use the blueprint only after he fought all the, you know, you want to use the late Floyd blueprint and get the, the early Floyd accolades. And it just doesn't work like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you're right. And I mean, yeah. I'm honestly, honestly, since it. since he beat Shane Mosley, the, the the resume has gotten incredibly unimpressive. And outside of a much too young Canelo, it it's a it's a list that if I was trying to cruise my way through the end of my career, it's the exact list I'd pick. And there's there's faster guys that made him look but like Mosley had there had moments. Um, who else was it? Zab Judah. Zab Judah had I thought he won the first two rounds against Mayweather. Um, whenever Mayweather fought a really fast guy, he seemed to struggle from time to time. You watch those rounds, doesn't look like a 50 and 0 guy. Yeah. Uh also he's he's not he's got knockouts in just about 54% of his fights. That's pathetic. Sander. Yeah, well, then they're all from 54 years ago, though. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, That's where John Jones was fighting, Joe. Stop. <laughs> Sander, I'm curious why you think we're kicking a man whose uh, gross net total uh, inflation adjusted is $1.2 billion. No one, I don't. I don't know that he's down. I mean, we're we're kicking a man. I wouldn't not necessarily down. call that down. Man. This man is standing, and we're kicking him. And uh, yes. deserve. Listen, we, we this is our only chance this whole tournament to talk about Floyd Mayweather. We're going to talk about Muhammad Ali in, in the coming weeks more and more. So let, let's. This is our. This is Floyd's spotlight. So. And what happens if Floyd fights Mosley after Mosley beats De La Hoya, but before he gets caught for the steroids? Something to think about. Yeah. He might beat Floyd. He beat, he beat De La Hoya. I rem- that was the first time I was a kid. I saw that extra gear and didn't know what it was. I had never looked and went, I wonder if that guy's on steroids or some kind of drug that's he had a point where he just pushed his level a little higher, and I went, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. And since that point, when I see that outrageous next Lance Armstrong level, how is he doing that? It occurs to me that it might be something else. I, I don't like Shane Mosley because you ruined a part of that for me. It was all pure until I found that out after the Oscar De La Hoya fight, and you had that much. That's what you needed to beat him. That's how much more you had. You won the fight. What happens without the drugs? Who knows? And now I can't see greatness without thinking maybe. I hate Shane Mosley for that. Oh, all right. All right. There you go. Hey, well, and our and our uh, chief statistician says Mosley would have flattened him for about a decade. So there you have it. All right. So, uh our sweet 16 for the boxing side is Sugar Ray Robinson versus Sugar Ray Mose, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Jeez. Uh, yeah, oh my Sugar God. You started saying Sugar, Sugar Shane Mosley. There's a I lot did. of sugar up in here today. There is. You did get a lot of sweet. Uh, but I, I, and then uh, Roberto Duran versus Joe Lewis, Cinderella Bernard Hopkins against Jack Johnson, and another upset in uh, Julio Cesar Chavez against Muhammad Ali. But uh, we gotta next week. We gotta figure out the whole Sweet Sixteen because we got the UFC <laughs> side to get to. But uh, so make sure you tune in next week, and the tournament will continue. But uh, speaking of UFC, we have a big UFC fight night to talk about tonight with 
heavyweights. Always fun. But first, here's a little word from one of our sponsors. Come on out for a day of fun to the Cove Kids Classic presented by Clarity. Friday, May 6, 2022 at Lyman Orchards Golf Club to benefit the Cove Center for Grieving Children. Partnership opportunities are available. All proceeds from the Cove Kids Classic support the Cove's free programs. Please consider partnering with us to continue to support grieving children and teens in 2022 and beyond. For more information or questions, call Allison Gamber at 203-634-0500 or email allison at covect.org. The Cove Kids Classic takes place Friday, May 6th at Lyman Orchards Golf Club. Registration begins at 8 a.m. Shotguns start at 9 a.m. on the player course. Saturday night, the UFC is live from the Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio for UFC Fight Night 205 featuring a heavyweight matchup in the main event between Curtis Blades and Chris Dawkins. Let's break it down. Chris Dawkins is 32 years old. He's six foot three with a 76-inch reach and a record of 12 and 4 with 11 knockouts. From Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, he briefly attended Penn State before dropping out to pursue a career in law enforcement, becoming a police officer in 2010. He took up martial arts prior to entering the police academy, made his professional debut in October of 2013 with a first-round knockout of Robert Duvall. He lost two of his next three by stoppage, but then went on a five-fight winning streak with four knockouts before challenging Azuna Anua for the Cage Fury Heavyweight Championship, coming out to a fast start before suffering a TKO loss in the second round. He bounced back with a first-round head kick knockout of Danny Holmes, then made his UFC debut the following year with a first-round knockout over Parker Porter. Two months later, he earned his first performance of the night when he knocked out Rodrigo Nascimento dropping in with a powerful left hook and finishing him with a flurry in the first round. In February of 2020, he took on a dangerous veteran, Alexei Olenek, stunning him with a knee to the face and then finishing him with 18 unanswered punches. In September of 2021, he earned his third straight performance of the night when he took on Dagestan's Shamil Abdurakhimov, dropping him early in round two with a blistering right cross and stopping him with ground and pound. On October 18, 2021, he was stopped by the always dangerous Derek Lewis after getting caught midway through the first round and finished by a devastating barrage of right hands. A powerful pressure fighter, Dawkins has some excellent boxing skills, landing 7.7 .7 strikes per minute, using his jab to set up his powerful right cross, and is also a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, boasting a 100% takedown defense. Curtis Blades is 31 years old. He's six foot four with an 80-inch reach and a record of 15-3-1 with 10 knockouts. From Chicago, Illinois, Blades took up wrestling in high school, compiling a record of 95-18 with 121 takedowns, earning a full scholarship to Northeastern Illinois University, where he went on to win the NJCAA National Championship as a sophomore. After amassing an amateur record of 8-0 and becoming an International Kickboxing Federation amateur champion, he chose to drop out of school to pursue a career in MMA. He turned pro in May of 2014 with a first-round knockout and quickly went 5-0 before making his UFC debut, suffering a devastating second-round knockout to future heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou. He bounced back six months later with a brutal knockout of Cody East and then defeated Adam Milstead by TKO 
though the latter result was overturned to a no decision after Blades failed the post-fight drug test. After going on a four-fight winning streak that included knockouts over Alexei Olenek and Alistair Overeem, he headlined his first UFC event against old rival Francis Ngannou, which resulted in another TKO loss when he was caught early in round one with a powerful overhand right and finished off with ground and pound. Four months later, he returned with a unanimous decision over Justin Willis, followed by a pair of savage second-round knockouts of Shamil Abdurakamov and Junior Dos Santos. In June of 2020, he put on a dominant performance against Alexander Volkov, setting a UFC record for takedowns in a heavyweight fight with 14 en route to a unanimous decision. However, after receiving a bout of COVID-19, he suffered a brutal second-round knockout at the hands of Derek Lewis after getting caught with a thunderous uppercut while attempting a takedown. On September 25, 2021, he bounced back with a dominant but tentative decision over Jazinio Rosenstrike. A powerful, well-rounded striker with good cardio, Blades is also the best wrestler in the heavyweight division, averaging 6.2 takedowns per minute and holds the UFC record for career takedowns with 60. Will Donkus' advantage in punching power and boxing ability be able to keep Razor at bay? Or will Blades' experience and wrestling skills prove to be too much as he begins his ascent back to the top of the heavyweight division? Tune in Saturday night to UFC Fight Night, Blades versus Donkus. And let's find out. All right. UFC Columbus, Blades versus Dawkins. Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty easy who's going to win this fight. But what do you think, Joe? Listen, Chris Dawkins only quit being a police officer and became a full-time fighter December 1st of 2021. Now... Every fight that Dawkins had leading up to losing to Derek Lewis had been a first-round knockout. This guy has only ever fought past the second round once in his career. So this guy's this guy's uh, all or nothing, Jace. He's exactly the kind of fight and fighter you like. Now, if there's one thing about Curtis Blades you can you can bank on, it's going to be that you're getting down on the ground. And I just don't know how – I don't know how Dawkins is going to do if this thing is on the ground for most of the night. I, I – and this is what happens when you get knockout, guys, Chase, is it becomes hard to – what's going to happen when they get on the ground? Do you have any sort of defense? I doubt it. You know, is he going to be able to get out of that? It, it, can Blade just lay on him all night? Is it going to be five rounds of that? Could be. I, you know, look, Dawkins is going to try to do what Derek Lewis did. You're going to try to catch him on the way in and hope that that works. Blades isn't going to stand toe to toe. I think he's sworn that off forever. So, <laughs> I, yeah, no more of that. You know, he insisted he 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 wouldn't um, that he wouldn't do that against Derek Lewis. That he wouldn't get caught going in. Daddy did. So he's. You saw how tentative he was against Yazinia Rosenstroik. I think you're going to see a guy like that. But I think that Rosenstroik is a better fighter still than Dawkins. And so I don't see where I don't see a path for victory here for Dawkins. If he can't knock Blades out before the second round is over, expect Dawkins' ass to get tossed all over the place for the next three rounds, uh, unless Blades just takes him out. A scared of that. Can we make his nickname a scared of the 
darkest. <laughs> um, at plus three fifty, I'm taking the dog. If this is a coin toss, you want blades, but plus three fifty, round robin the dog with darkest. And that's and that's just betting odds. Yeah, Blades will probably win. Lay on him for three three rounds sounds about right. Or somebody gets clipped. It's a heavyweight fight. With the way it's it's I it's the opposite of most of the lighter female fights where you want to take the over and the favorite. Big, you know, maybe this is you have more tendency of an upset happening here than you would in maybe some other places. I like it. All right, round robin Dawkins. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I can only see Dawkins land the knockout. I mean, that can happen. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I do just whenever I think of Curtis Blades, I think of that fight with Alistair Overeem. Granted, it is Alistair Overeem. Just how he just took him down and those elbows. Uh, I mean, Blades needs to get back to that. I mean, he can. He's got the wrestling, and you're right, Joe. He needs to swear off, get away from standing in front of people and getting into that brawl, take him to the ground, dictate the pace of fight, and I think that's what he's going to do. Um, uh, Can we change his nickname to Roller? Roller <laughs> I love it. But, uh, yeah, I think Blades can get him, and I think make him quit, force him to quit by, like, the third – end up submitting him so uh yeah i got blades third submission but uh i i, I do think it should be a good fight i do think docus is gonna bring it and he he has the opportunity he, he has the potential it's a heavyweight fight anything can happen he can't yeah, he's got, listen he's got great punching power like no doubt about it i just think again blades he's a smart guy he's a veteran he knows what he's got to look out for. And with Dawkins, there there isn't much more than probably like a big overhand right coming. Don't get hit with that is pretty much the game plan and take him down, control the fight. And like I said, Dawkins has only ever gone three rounds once. Everything else, he cleans them out in one or two rounds and they're done. So you're talking about a five-round fight against a guy in blades who's not a – is not – doesn't focus on knockouts like he might have tried a little earlier in his career. So, again, I think this is a dog fight that I don't know that dog hiss is ready for. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I, I mean, j- just look, really, just look at the resumes. Ngannou twice. Uh, j- um, Yo, again, he's only Blades has only lost to Ngannou twice and Derek Lewis. Yeah, dog, dog has had. The Lewis fight, but I mean, yeah, there's it, nobody else on his resume, and there are two losses on it, three losses on it, uh, that are people that you've never heard of. Yeah, Blake Sean Sean Teed. yeah, Sean Teed, yeah, uh, I, I in his debut, a one and one fighter named your Danny Figueroa. He was knocked out, KO'd by Azuna and Yanni, and Yan, some with Yan in it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Derek Lewis. Yeah, so, but I, uh, I with the, the, the late start thing, Joe, makes me think maybe he's learning. We've seen guys before take, I got a question for you. Here's your pop quiz. Tony will know this. Who is 
Um, Boonsai Sangsarat. Boonsai Sangsarat. Excuse me? <laughs> Boonsai Sangsarat. Okay, you don't know him. How about Rustico Toracampo? Rustico Toracampo. No, Busani Sagarov. No, Agapio Sanchez. Nothing. See, but when I say Juan Manuel Marquez, Eric Morales, Juan Manuel Marquez, Tim Bradley, uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr., Jeff Horn, and Ugas, you're going to realize these are blemishes on Manny Pacquiao's career. But when I say Boonsog and <laughs> Rustico, you're a little less aware of what's going on here. So when I when I hear that about Dawkins, I go, "There's there's a shot. This guy is growing and learning and beating much better guys in the, than he did in the beginning of his career because of the explosion of plasticity because he started late." Yep. Maybe. Yeah. I would take blades. I think the odds are too high, but probably blades. And again, you look at the f second half of his career and the first half, it's different names on it. It's different results on it. This could be uh, the Boonsog Rustico effect. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, I mean, I don't, can, we, can we make the Boonsog Rustico effect a thing? And there was Tony, of course, right on time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, I, he said, "Oh, Boonsack, yeah, yeah, first, <laughs> good yeah. old, good old Rustico." Yeah, I, I do think I, I, this should be a fun fight, though. Heavyweights are always going to be fun. I, I do think the best mm. possible opportunity, but outside of knocking Curtis Blades out, Dawkins has maybe if he can weather a little bit of the storm, wrestling wise, take control of those. Uh, main event rounds, maybe, but I, I just don't see that happening. I just don't. Blades is going to win. Make him tap. But uh, I, but Jared, how are you going to make us money this tonight? Uh, well, I got a three way parlay, three legs on it. <clears throat> Harry Scarf, one of the greatest boxing names of all time. Uh, Maxi Huge, Richard Rigapur. They're all favorites. I like all three. Um, they're in they're in fights with guys that I think the spread should be much higher. Honestly, I did a, another parlay with just Huge and Rickport without Scarf. Um, so I'm so I'm high on these three. I, I I have a phenomenal, phenomenally low percentage when it comes to these puncher's chances for some reason. I do really well, but these are where I give you all the losers. You probably would have been better off betting against me every single week since I started doing this. But that said, these are these are favorites, and I like them. All right, all right. That's I, I mean, you've been focused with college basketball, right, Jared? So now it's time to get the swing back going in the in the punchers in the in the combat sports realm, right? For sure. But, uh, Heck yeah. But uh, that's going to do it for fights this week. Uh, make sure you check it out. It should be fun. Been heavyweight main events is always fun. Make sure you check that out and tune back in next week as uh, we, we recap that as well. As uh, I believe there's a couple 
I think Triple G is fighting next week. So that should be fun, or it might be two weeks away. So boxing starting to get back into the swing of things. UFC still been around, but uh, it should be fun. So uh, for myself, uh, and big shout out to Kids Cove and uh, Annie Mac, Home Mortgage, and Chris Sawyer for sponsoring today's episode. Joe, you want to talk a little bit about the Kids Cove? Yeah, the Cove Kids Classic. So, yeah, the Cove Kids Classic, it benefits the uh, Cove Center for Grieving Children, a great organization in Connecticut. They provide free services for kids who are dealing with loss. Um, and this tournament is a uh, – this golf tournament uh, is a big part of keeping those services free for kids. Obviously, going through a pandemic, a lot of people lost family members, and this is just a great organization. The woman who runs it I've known for a really long time. We've worked on other projects together. And I'll actually be hosting this golf tournament. I'll be playing in it. Uh, so, you know, it's guaranteed good time. It's $140, but you're going to get two full meals out of this. Uh, the prizes uh, will be off the hook. We'll actually be announcing that uh, during the week, uh, what people can actually win. She does very well with those silent auctions and all that stuff. So, be a fun day. The player course, Lyman Orchards. Can, can you ask for anything more? It's a Friday, May 6th. Take the day off. Come out and do some good. Them kids need it. Heck yeah. So make sure you stay tuned for that as well. And big shout out to Clovercrest Media for sponsoring today's episode. Make sure you check out clovercrestmedia.com for a bunch of other awesome podcasts, not just sports. I mean, there's John about the G-Men. If you're a Giants fan with me and Joe, uh, make sure you check that out. We're posting up. It's basketball season, college basketball. March Madness is in the swing of things. Make sure you check out posting up podcast if you're a basketball fan. Plus, keys to the city. Just a bunch of sports stuff. If you're not that big of a sports fan, also got true crime, conspiracy theories, uh, political stuff. And if there's a subject that you think should be a podcast, come start your own. That's clovercrestmedia.com. Make sure you check it out. And we're going to end the show like we always do. Jared, brother, hit us with that flurry. Practice makes perfect. Um, I've been talking a lot about uh, somebody who's struggling. Uh, well, it's actually um, a friend of mine who's who's in the field who's dealing with a struggling kid. That, but I think it's kind of a common problem. Uh, kid doesn't want to do gym class or has certain classes or portions of the day during the school that they don't really fit into. And it seems to be the more people I have this conversation with, there's two very specific schools of thoughts. And one of them is you mainstream everybody. You have to sift everybody through that same shoot um, or it's not fair. Uh, and the other school of thought is, well, let's create something specific. Let's make a, a, a personal during that class, individual somewhere where they can be successful. Um, and I've gone back and forth about that. Do you build something different where the child can be successful? Or do you mainstream as, as forcefully as, as good as you can? Um, and I'd been thinking a lot about it, so I presented it to my 15-year-old and uh, Trinity who's just for some reason, she's just brilliant. And uh, what she said was, high school is your platform. If we make a special class 
for that kid to succeed at gym class. You're going to have other situations that are like that in life, gym class-esque situations where you don't really fit in. Sorry. Um, I had one of my best friends tell me yesterday, you don't really fit in, just not like the rest of us. Hung up on him, called him back, apologized. Um, he's right. But the idea that you could go back and make everything easier or somehow suitable or make concessions for me to make things easier bears no resemblance to real life. And when you end up outside of those places, you don't have those same parameters and you're actually being set up for, to fail by being set up to succeed where you are right then. And what Trinity says is, what part of real life are you going to have a better chance to practice socializing, running around with kids, climbing a rope, whatever the case is, whatever the thing that you're having hardship with, this is the best platform you're going to get. If we find a way around it now, we'll have to find a way around it forever. And 30 years ago, there were all kinds of psych, psych institutes all over the place, and those have shut down. And the vast majority of those people went to prison. And making a way that's unlike the way that it is for somebody to be successful at the time actually sets them up for failure in the long run. So I thought that was one of the most profound things I ever heard. <sighs> Thank you, Trinity, for that. And that, that's my answer. If you get to that opportunity to do we adjust to allow for someone to be successful or force that mainstream, you do a little bit of both. But you use the mainstream, the, the foundation that you have to practice. Because once you get outside of that, there, there's nothing in the real world that's going to look anything like that. That's going to make all those concessions for you to succeed. You're going to have to be successful based on the same rules everybody else is playing by. Thanks, guys. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest. Top three corner man, punching in. With a punch's chance, we find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Beak, 
Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.